Welcome back, Intimates. I'm excited to find you experts to talk about love, connection, non-monogamy, polyamory, relationship anarchy, group sex, kink, commitment, and lots of other intimacy and relationship topics. Let's live our best lives together by unlearning stigma and getting clear on what we really want. Don't know what to ask for? I have loads of ideas for you. Of course, none of this would be possible without the support of my amazing Patreon supporters or my current hosts, the Musqueam First Nation on whose unceded lands this podcast was made and this human was born. If you want to support more intimate interactions, you can say thank you by supporting us on Patreon for as little as $1 a month. Patreon supporters also get every episode of the podcast ad-free with short intros and outros. I know funds are not an option for some of you lovely humans, but don't fret, there are other ways you can help out. You can help make more intimate interactions by just telling someone you listen to this podcast. Or if you're feeling especially generous, you can share a link to an episode you like and discuss it with a friend or partner, or even leave us a review on iTunes or your favorite podcasting site. Help other humans interested in more intimacy and better relationships find us. If you have your own podcast, shout us out. Need a podcast guest? Email offers to podcast at victorsalmon.com. I love talking about relationships and intimacy, and I love cross-promotion and working with other podcasters. Okay, let's hear about today's episode. Dating can be a fun, connective adventure. Or you could be trying to do it during a pandemic. Robin Beach is back today to talk about dating as a polyamorous person and how COVID has impacted her and her polycule. We share strategies on risk profiling and figuring out what you want and who in your life is most vulnerable and what's a boundary for you. Robin also talks about her longest sexual dry spell. And just in case you don't know, a polycule is a group of people who sleep with some of the same people. So if person A sleeps with B and C, person B is sleeping with A and D, and person C is sleeping with A and E, the five of them would be connected in a polycule just because they're all sleeping with the same sorts of the same common humans, even if they aren't all sleeping together. So some would call that a straight line configuration because it's five dots in a line that are joined um, to the dots on either side of them, um, joining between lines indicating a sexual relationship. Some would call it a V-shape because they like to show a hinge partner or a person at the center of two dots coordinating um, relationships between lovers of lovers, if there's any coordination at all. So it gets complicated. One aspect that gets complicating can be the relationship you have with the lovers of your lovers. These are called metamorships, just as those lovers of lovers are called metamors, people who sleep with someone that you're sleeping with, but with whom you don't have sex. Although technically, you could also have sex with them, and they would still be your metamor. Okay, so all that weirdness aside, we've covered some of the basic definitions so you have what you need to enjoy the session here on Intimate Interactions with Robin Beach. She's very sassy. I do love her. I love how you're like, fuck that cat, but I love her. Oh, that's exactly our relationship. That's basically the relationship of like half of cat owners. I, <laughs> she's she's very sassy. I remember she had like a wound and I had to take her to the vet. And she had, I'd never seen her the way she was. She was like timid and like her Aww. ears down and she looked all scared and unsure and she just let everyone do what they needed. And then the vet administered the anesthetic, like the needle. And as mm-hmm. soon as she poked her with the needle, the cat immediately like just dropped her like scared, timid demeanor and just slowly turned and gave the biggest glare to the vet. <laughs> 
And the vet's just like, oh, she's got attitude. I'm like, there's my cat. <laughs> You're like, she's okay. She's okay. I recognize her now. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm drinking currently with my dinner because I decided it would be better to eat my dinner like with a friend, as it were. You're the friend. Oh, totally. I, w I wish I'd known that. Otherwise, I might not have like inhaled everything <laughs> in the last time. <laughs> but it was so good. <laughs> no, that's that's totally fair. Um, I It might be better because, you know, you're the important one in this exchange. So you're the one everyone's going to be listening to. So it's probably better if you're not like, om nom nom. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you've you've written Call Me Holly, My Years on the Poles and mm -hmm. or my years on the pole and you've also written um polyglamorous mm -hmm. which is more i can't remember the subtitle for that one but that's more focused on parenting it's a queer mom's misadventures and lessons in non-monogamy ah yes that's <laughs> right that makes sense um and all of those are available on your website which is robinsnestcoaching.com mm-hmm Wonderful. Wow. I'm just nailing this from memory. Um, and your, your past includes um, some sex work, so some stripping, some pro-doming, um, registered clinical practice as a psychiatric nurse, um, uh -huh. and more recently, sex education, as well as being an author. So you're quite well-versed. And of course, you're non-monogamous. Uh -huh. Oh yes, and I always I always seem to skip over the Metro Metro Vancouver Kink Alternative Lifestyle Society, where you were the vice president for a while, um, as well as just a you were I believe on the board of directors um, in a different position for a while. So let's start chatting about non-monogamy during COVID. Um, how has COVID impacted your practice of non-monogamy? Um, honestly, quite a bit. Um, it's I mean. It, you hear this a lot in the non-monogamous communities that it's a lot of talking and a lot of communication and we kind of roll eyes at it, but it is absolutely essential. And that's, we've had to even increase our communications and even kind of just alter them a little bit to navigate the COVID situation in terms of all of our partners. Um, for example, mm -hmm. um, I, my girlfriend is, very immunocompromised so we haven't been within six feet of each other you know since the end of february and that's been really hard especially when she is here like we have had a couple of you know distance hangouts and i feel like that's harder than our video chats because she's right there and mm -hmm. I, I just want to snuggle um there's also the fact that one of my metamors um, has been working on the front lines in, in healthcare. So there's been considerations like that, like how many people are you exposed to? What kind of, you know, risk factors does that change? The fact that I have kids, <clears throat> mm -hmm. there's a lot of things to take into consideration in essentially our polycule. And it's just been a lot of right. constant communication um, who would be a, a you know someone that we can see what precautions do we want to take and it's been mostly isolated uh, we try to be really careful just because you know we want to be responsible and help not just protect us but protect other people that are really immunocompromised 
um, because it's not even just our poly, you know, partners, but I see my mom who is very immunocompromised. I didn't see her for a long time. Um, but I've been also struggling with being at home with the kids. So she decided to step in and help out, which means I want to take extra precautions to protect her. So it's just been a lot of communication Absolutely. and figuring out, how, you know, who, who's going to have what interactions and for how long and just constant check-ins. Are you dating at all? How are you managing dating? Or is that not even a consideration? Oh, oh man, I'm telling you, <laughs> this is... The longest drive <laughs> out of my life. I am like legit struggling with it. Um, I haven't seen anyone. I've been, I mean, I've been online a couple of times and I, I, cause I've been open to the idea of seeing someone. But the thing is that it seems that people that I've encountered, like on Tinder, for example, are either you know, not seeing anyone, which is responsible. And I respect that. Or saying to me like, Oh, I hook up all the time. And I'm like, I don't think I want to see knowing you're taking all of those risks. I'd like to meet somebody that is, you know, as cautious as I am, but open to the possibility of meeting in a distance or something like that. But I I feel like I'm, I'm only really finding the two extremes online. So I'm kind of just like, I'm not willing to, um, I'm not willing to lower my boundaries because it's not just about me. Obviously it's my kids and my family and the general public. So it's interesting trying to find that balance. Um, I'm not Amen seeing a to lot that. of Yeah. Yeah. I 100% understand what you're talking about as a non-monogamous person. I, I'm not even dating right now. I've just kind of given up on the whole thing ever since COVID started. Ah, it's, it's, it's funny because I wasn't really dating anyways. Like I haven't really dated at all this year. I'm just sort of coming out of a really messy, unhappy end of a relationship. Um, and things mm. with my other relationship are amazing and they're going really well. And I'm just really trying to process the loss and grieve um, and try and be accountable for the ways that I fucked things up and could do things better in future in that relationship. And I'm simultaneously in a totally different place in my other relationship where things are going really well and I'm feeling all this like love and joy. And, you know, my partner that I'm deeply in love with um, works in a place that doesn't social distance um, very well and is exposed and is high risk. And my roommate's okay with me being exposed to that provided, um, I mean, I don't know if it's provided anything, but, you know, he also sees his partner who... Um, is in healthcare. So there's sort of those risk factors to consider as well. So we both see someone high risk, but only one person. <laughs> and it just seems like for a million reasons, dating's not right for me right now, but mm-hmm. everything inside of the pressure cooker of COVID is just like, I've been, I, th- I was thinking for a while, like, what would it look like if I tried to start dating? And I was like, well, I would have to completely revamp my profile I mean, I'd have to publish my profile again. I'm only really on OKC. I tried the Tinder thing for a while, and I just found that it was exactly as you described. <laughs> like, either <laughs> I hook up with people all the time and never get tested, and I'm like, cool, good good on you for living your best life and being in the risk profile that's appropriate for you. That is not my risk profile. <laughs> yeah, Go yeah. forth 
go forth and do all the slutty, amazing, nasty things with all of the peoples <laughs> of the world. And yeah. I'm going to be over here getting, you know, getting tested every three to six months and, you know, sleeping with pr- people with protection when they get tested every three to six months. And, and we're good, you know, but it's, it's, it's interesting because COVID in its own way is an infection that can be transmitted when you're having sex. So it's not exactly an STI, but like, you're not going to like get into bubble suits and like have sex that way. I mean, yeah, I, it's, yeah, that's a tough one. Cause it's not an STI, but it is certainly sexually, I can't say it's sexually transmitted cause it's mostly the, the breathing and the mouth and the saliva right. and, um, yeah, and there's been conversation of, you know, what if we just wore masks and didn't face each other, <laughs> you know, shower right. beforehand and afterwards kind of thing. And, of course, that doesn't um, It sound... just doesn't feel right. It doesn't, it doesn't sound emotionally appetizing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I have discussed this with amongst people on my social medias and whatnot i've talked about uh dry spells during covid and a lot of people are just missing human contact and i'm with that as well it's only really kind of recently started to hit me the like when i'm watching a movie and i watch people meet for the first time and decide to hug and i'm just like break down in tears like Mm. i just want to cuddle someone you know um, so I get that human contact is such a need that a lot of us have. And I mean, that has become such a luxury. Oh, right. It has, which sounds just so bizarre when we say it out loud, but I feel like, yeah, that kind of human contact has become a luxury and it's not like I'm here on my own. There are people that live on their own. My mom's on her own and that's hard for her. I have kids that are not affected the same way that I am. And then my co-parent is usually mm-hmm. working, so he's not here very much. So it's it's more adult contact for me. Like, I want to snuggle somebody. I want to have a stimulating conversation, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I can totally respect that. And sex is definitely a factor. I know people have certain opinions on that. You know, like, oh, well, can't you control yourself? And I'm like, well, yeah, obviously I can. I'm at home. I've got several vibrators, you know, that helps. But again, it's not just orgasms or sexual pleasure. It's it's touching someone's skin. It's it's smelling them and hearing them and feeling them. There's there's Mm. a lot of intimacy involved with sex and dating. That isn't just as simple as grabbing your vibrator. Um, so there is a lot emotionally that is missing from the physical act of sex or going out on a date. And that those exciting feelings that release all kinds of hormones and endorphins that are healthy for us. And mm. we're kind of missing out on that. So it's, it's, it's rough. Uh, yeah, there's this, I, there's this whole piece Sorry, if I may, there's this whole piece around um, intellectual stimulation and around feeling that intense sense of connection. And you can get that from long term partners. But there is there's a human need for like in in the words of Seahawk adventure, Um, but like adventure, novelty. um, Mm -hmm. And like we get those needs met often when we're either dating or even just hanging out with new friends. 
So there's but that whole piece that's like snack when you are physically isolated from other people. Is mm-hmm. is online even close to an equivalent? That's a question I have. Right. And like it's not close to an equivalent. Like so today I was actually feeling um a little bit depressed. Um, to be perfectly honest. I was supposed to have an appointment with my specialist. And basically, the medical office assistant booked me in for, quote, around 9 a.m., which was what I was told. So I was like, cool, I'll be ready five minutes before. I had two missed calls when I picked up my phone because, of course, I rolled out of bed at like 845. I was like, fuck, fuck if I'm getting up any earlier than 845 for a 9 a.m. appointment. (laughs) I turned on my phone just after 850 and I already had two missed calls, 848, 851. I'm like, fuck. So I'm like, well, that's fine. I'm sure they'll, I'm sure that was just like a, we want to get you checked in early kind of thing. They'll try once more at nine. So at 1030, I send them an email and I'm like, Hey, it seems like we missed each other this morning. Like I was, I was available on my phone five minutes for my appointment. And like, if, if I need to do something different, like, please let me know. Like, it's probably just a miscommunication. Um, you know, like I, I didn't sleep super well last night and like, I've been feeling kind of down, like maybe even a little depressed. Um, and the medical office assistant writes me back like the most passive aggressive email. It's like not even passive aggressive. It was just angry. It was like, it was like, I called you five times and you didn't pick up. And I was like, that, that's it. That's the whole email. No signature, no salutation, just that message, all lowercase that like, that's, that's pretty weird in tone for professional correspondence. So I'm like, okay, um, cool. My understanding is my appointment was 9am and I was available from at least five minutes prior to that. I don't understand what I did wrong. If you could help me understand like when you need me available, I'll make sure to be available for that time. Uh And she was like, your time slot was 8.50. And I'm like, okay. Um, Here's here's the email you sent me where you said around 9am and like, that's fine. Clearly we just had a miscommunication. Um, it's not that big of an issue. Could you please let me know like when we could reschedule? And basically I got back this, like, um, the doctor thinks that you should go and see your GP again and figure out your depression stuff before you come back. Yeah. And I'm like, this is the most like passive aggressive medical office assistant I've ever worked with. Um, just so difficult. So like I've been feeling disempowered and like, I felt a little bit of shame for a while and then was like, no, like this isn't, this isn't on you. (laughs) Like you had, you have written evidence of a person who confirmed your time and then asked you to confirm it back. I confirmed it back to her. um, And at no point did around 9am, which I confirmed as 9am ever become 850. So it's like, and also I have records from my phone. Like I know she only called me twice. And, like, she can say she called me five times. That's fine. I'm not going to fight about, like, insignificant details. But now I'm, like, struggling to get access to care. And I'm just, like, I don't even know what to do about that. So, apparently, my gastroenterologist is going to talk with my doctor. Uh And uh, I'm going to need to see my doctor and, quote, unquote, like, manage my depression. Which I'm, like... It's managed. There's a fucking pandemic on. <laughs> like, right? I, I'm not gonna get. I'm not gonna up my dose because we're in the middle of a pandemic. Maybe I should, but <laughs> I'll think about it. I don't know. Oh, I'm so sorry you had that experience. 
sadly, you're not alone. Mm. Um, I, I certainly didn't have one that intense. I did have my doctor ask when I tried getting um, uh, a refill. I have mental illness struggles, and I use pharmaceuticals for that. And getting a refill, and he's been asking, so... I mean, how are you doing? You don't feel like we should be changing doses or anything? Are you feeling like things are normal? Right. Do you feel like... And I'm like, um, there's a global pandemic. Like, I I mean, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm struggling in certain ways, but I don't think in a way that needs to change my medication. Right. And yeah, it's just been strange conversations. Like, I don't know. He seemed... Every time I talk to him, he seems to be almost forgetting that there is one i actually i struggled to first get one um without coming in he wanted me to go into the office and i was like i'm not doing that and he said okay i'll give you mm-hmm. i'll give you a month but it'll it'll all be over by then <laughs> of course your it was doctor when I got- said this yeah uh, yeah he's he's a, he's pretty laid back and i mean he is um you know a baby boomer, like a white male baby boomer. He's a really nice guy. I absolutely love him. <laughs> but he's been pretty blase about everything. He's like, I'll give you a month. It'll be over by then. No problem. And of I course, just a month so... by, I call him and he's like, I'll give you, I'll give you three months this time, but it'll totally be over by then. <laughs> call him again. He's like, I'm just going to give you like six months. I'm like, thank you. <laughs> My uh, God. I think just... I forget. Like, I forget sometimes that like, I'm degree educated in microbiology and like when, and I did, I also did like a joint masters. So I, I did like really hard courses when all the other bio people were doing like electives. I, I did, I did very few electives in my degree. Uh, My major was officially titled cellular molecular and microbial biology major in, uh, it's just like such a mouthful. There's a reason we call it the CMMB major, but anyways, the point is like, like I have some knowledge of epidemiology. I have, I've taken those classes. I have some knowledge of like how cells work, how the immune system works. Like I have some knowledge of how viral replication happens. And like, I've done engineering in, in, you know, bacteria, which isn't anything to write home about, but like, like I have some knowledge. And then I forget that like doctors are not required to have that knowledge but you assume that they must have at least as much education as you because they've done so many years of post-secondary in something very related, but it's not the same thing as understanding pandemics. Not in the slightest. I tell people, if you have questions about your medication, don't call your doctor, call a pharmacist. They're the ones who want to talk to you about medication. If you're so on true. an airplane or in one of those movie situations where you're like, we need a doctor, don't ask for a doctor. Ask if there's a paramedic. Because they are more oh my God, totally in handling medical situations outside of a medical facility. Like seriously, like that's exactly who you want. But yeah. And like for clarity for folks listening, like the paramedic protocols are written by a doctor, but they're practiced by a paramedic. Just some life, just my life advice <laughs> for the folks out there. You want, I'm not, we're not trying to say doctors don't know what they're doing, but like, if you want info on medication, call a pharmacist. If you're out in the field, which means not in a medical facility, ask for a paramedic. That is exactly you're right. Um, and yeah, I think what we're trying to say is like, remember that people specialize. 
Mm-hmm. Totally. So I kind of want to like humble brag about this dinner that I made for myself, even though it is not perfect. Are you, are you open to receiving a humble brag? Absolutely. So I found this sirloin tip steak, um, which is like basically like the poorer version of top sirloin, but it is amazing. Like the cut I got is so good. Literally when I cut into it with a knife, it like, it like can separate. I made myself this unnecessarily large steak that I'm not going to finish all of. It's going to go in the fridge. And I got myself this like run of the mill, like wine o'clock Shiraz, um, which is surprisingly fruit forward and i'm just like enjoying this unreasonably expensive meal on a budget and i'm just like this is really nice so thank you for being part of that and just like i'm trying not to like make random chewing noises into the mic but like thank you for for you robin for being here to like share this meal with me and of course to everyone listening as well you're all part of the experience so like i'm really enjoying my steak Oh, I am salivating. That sounds amazing. I do like to make people salivate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's been a while since someone made me salivate. Yeah. Yeah. That's something, um, that's something me and some of your friends have in common is the desire to tease others. Right. It's fun being with friends like that. I also enjoy it. It's, kind of weird with COVID being what it is. I've got two potential partners on the island. Um, one of them wants to come over and like cuddle and experiment with psilocybin with me because I think that can help with um, mental health stuff, especially if you're trying to recover from like trauma and PTSD type stuff, which I'm not exactly trying to recover from, but I've, I've had like a fair amount of trauma in my past. And even though I feel reasonably well adjusted after many years of talk therapy and being medicated. I'm like, I just feel like I kind of want to finally start experimenting with psilocybin, but I've been talking about it forever and not doing it. Cause you know, I don't like, I just have never really done any illicit substances ever. Um, I've had like legal marijuana um, edibles, but that's it. <laughs> so like, I'm the most boring person ever in that respect. Sorry, say that again. I said, forgive me for laughing, but that's like adorable. I know. I'm like such a baby when it comes to substances. Yeah. I mean, I am too. Don't get me wrong. Um, I'm honestly, I'm usually the one that I, I really enjoy being the sober friend to help the other person make sure that they're safe and have a good time. So I was I once at Burn in the Forest. Doing you want to do with your body and taking proper precautions to make sure that what you have is relatively safe. Uh, but yeah, I, I love helping other people. I, mostly it's just alcohol and cannabis for me, but um, I've definitely yeah. helped other people like, you know, Brandon, my co-parent, I gave him mm -hmm. uh, for his last birthday. This is what he wanted. He wanted mushrooms and an appointment at a float house. And so I made that happen for him. It's amazing. That is pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah. So because we got kind of, um, because we were, I don't want to say rushed, but because um, you brought up dinner right before we started recording. And I was like, 
oh yeah, I am feeling kind of hungry. I should probably make something for myself. I started making the steak and I definitely did not cook it quite as long as I probably could have. It, it ended up being like a thicker steak than I would normally cook. Yeah. So I just did five. I did five minutes oh. on each side and it is rare AF. Oh, yes. I love it. I actually, I had beef as well. I had very thinly sliced uh, beef ribs and I barbecued them and I was also in a rush. So they were quite rare, but I actually really like my meat quite rare. So I was very, very happy. And I said, I got to run and eat this before I go do this thing with Victor. And Brandon was like, did you even cook these? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if he threw them on the fryer after me, but I love, he knows I love my meat really rare. So, so I've, I used to consistently eat my meat really rare um, just because I don't know whether it was like latent toxic masculinity or whether I was just like, om nom nom nom, I like my cow to moo. Um, but like, <laughs> regardless of like what it was, also apologies for the animal cruelty inherent in that joke. Um, Sorry. But, uh, yeah, like apologies to all the vegetarian and vegan forks out there who are scandalized likely by this horrific conversation of eating our friends with faces. Um, but but like medium rare steak and and the irony is i was never a meat person i used to eat meat reduced all the time i was vegetarian for years and then i got and then i got ibs and the doctor's like well you can eat meat carbs are going to be really hard beans and legumes are going to be really hard um in fact we'd like you to take a diet where you don't eat any beans or any legumes or any like pulses no soy i'm like what i'm like where am i supposed to get my protein from and they were like meat and i was like cool i have a medical license to be one of the humans on the planet that eats an unreasonable amount of meat all right and i just like i i cooked all my steaks from frozen i had inside round roast which i would cut up into steaks so my steaks were like three dollar steaks like i really cut corners and then over time I gradually really started to enjoy beef and now I'm sitting in front of this beautiful sirloin tip steak and I'm just like, life's good. I mean, it's terrible, but (laughs) (laughs) But the steak is good. I grew up up in Alberta. Um, Just, I mean, I grew up in Edmonton, but most of my family owned farms just outside the city. And so we ate a lot of meat. Um, but for some reason, they just they cooked it until it was charred and dry. It's just what I grew up on uh, was hockey pucks. And once I got on my own, I started learning about cooking meat that wasn't completely thoroughly cooked. And I've just fallen in love. And it's slowly gone rarer and rarer as, I, as I've gone. Oh, I love it. Oh, that's so that's so interesting. I think when it's cut really thin, really rare meat is good. But like, if I'm gonna try and make like an enjoyable meal, texture matters a lot. And I feel like med rare is like just this perfect sweet spot. I like mine on the rare side of rare. But you know, you're not the only one. I have a friend that has IBS. She used to be vegetarian, and now she eats meat because she wasn't mm-hmm. getting enough protein. And she had to change her diet. So, I mean, you do what you got to do. 
yeah, I feel like there are tons of great vegetarian ways to get a lot of protein. Wow, uh-huh. this podcast turned into like nutrition advice. <laughs> Are we just, we're just hanging out. It's true. We are just hanging out, talking about how COVID has ruined everything. And I'm like, and IBS too, except now I eat lots of steak. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Yeah. I mean, I feel like with the non-monogamy and COVID, there's, you can try to tear it apart as much as you want, but it just, it's going to come down to uh, just an increased, if you can imagine, an increased amount of communication and awareness of your polycule or the people around you, your metamors, what kind of interactions you're having. And it is, it's hard to make those decisions to say, you know right. what, I wish to see each other right now for the time being because maybe you're a sex worker. Maybe you're a frontline worker, maybe whatever, and you're exposed to a lot of people in your work. Uh, maybe you have a partner that's immunocompromised. And so it is right. so difficult to say, you know what, maybe we should keep our distance for now and try to keep it online. It's so painful. But Do you want to talk a little bit about... about protecting yourself, but it's about protecting your loved ones and the general public. Do you want to talk a little bit about what a risk profile is and how you apply one? Oh, my goodness. I feel like in terms of COVID, I would want to look at how many people you interact with, and that would involve your work. Look at your work situation. Um, I, for example, I usually travel and I go to conferences and stuff and I can't do that right now. So I'm primarily just doing my uh, sex and relationship coaching through phone and video. So I'm not actually seeing anyone really other than uh, my wife, Taylor, my co-parent who I live with, Brandon, and my two kids. Um, and that is, I so, did so not I've, know... Are you are you married to Taylor? I didn't know that. Not legally, no, but that's who she is. We call each other our wives. That's just kind of our relationship dynamic. Well, your wife is hot, I'm just saying. Sorry, carry on. <laughs> she used to be a suicide girl, if you're familiar. She does a lot of modeling. I, or- I believe 100% that she was a suicide girl. Um, do you want to tell right. people what a suicide girl is so they don't get confused? It's it's essentially a brand name for a type of model. They usually would do a lot of alternative style models, very sexy models with a lot of tattoos and alternative hair products, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways. Cool. So risk profiles. Yeah, risk profiles. So where do you work? How many people are you interacting with? There's also your, even your health. If you are immunocompromised, meaning your, I mean, your immuno system would be compromised by something like, uh, which can be different in, in, in various areas, but usually it's the elderly, the very young, the pregnant, um, and there are some that maybe have HIV or AIDS or Hep C, and because it's a respiratory disease, I don't want to look at things like asthma, um, chronic bronchitis, emphysema, anything like that that might relate to so, so double checking that kind of thing. Okay, what's my health status? What's my age? What's my what's my risk factor? 
regarding that. What's also your location? Are you in an area that has high number of um, people that are contracting COVID? There's a lot that goes Mm -hmm. into it, but the more you try to think about and branch out, okay, and then when you're non-monogamous, there's a good chance that you're going to have other people in your circle. So it's good to consider everybody in your circle and what their risk factors are. For example, the highest risk of people that I see is my mom. She has hep C and she has chronic bronchitis. She used to be a smoker, so she is very immunocompromised. Everything is very lung-based. She's ended up in the hospital after a cold. So for the longest time, we didn't see her at all. And now we start to see her a little bit here and there so she can help with the kids. And in return, I'm very careful about who we see. Um, so that's a team effort um, in terms right. of taking care of her. is very careful. She doesn't see anyone. And because I want to see her, I'm very careful about who I see. Right. And this is like... This is stuff that can feel very overwhelming for a lot of folks. I just want to hold space for that. Yeah. So when we talk about and, sex, it's a different situation, right? It's it's how many people are you having sexual encounters with? What kind of barriers are you using? How often are you getting tested? Are you immunocompromised? Um, what activities are you doing? Because some actually have higher risk of contracting STIs than others. Um, so that's when we talk about risk profile. There's a difference between an STI risk profile and a COVID risk profile. Butt sex. Butt sex. Also, uh, I don't know why this came into my head, but have you ever seen the um, the Netflix show Russian Doll? No, I had it on my list and I actually totally forgot about it until you mentioned it. Now I need to watch it. There is, I mean, it's basically like sexy Groundhog Day. I don't know how else to explain it. Um, but <laughs> Oh, I'm so there. But basically, there's this scene, and I don't want to give you any spoilers, but there is, oh my, I need to turn my phone to silent, silly Victor. There we go. Um, but there's this, there's this scene where she's going to go have sex, and I'm pretty sure she's pretty inebriated, or at least is just really like emotionally in a place where she's like, whatever, fuck it. And right. it turns out they don't have a condom and she's just like, raw dog. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, that is, that is the kind of human I need more of in my life. Someone who will literally put their fist in the air and be like, raw dog. <laughs> That's amazing. Which I'm is not a good saying, I'm not endorsing. Like that people should be having unprotected sex. (laughs) It's just such a funny thing to say. I've totally had that moment in real life. I never thought I would be the kind of person that would be like, eh, it's fine. But I was out camping. We didn't have a condom and we kind of just shrugged and we're like, "Eh, it's fine. And later I was like, I cannot believe it. That is so out of character for me. And it just really shows that in the moment you can really not uh, think with mm-hmm. your brain in your head sometimes that you can be kind of suggestible in those situations. And I was like, wow, that is sort of character. But we're like, eh. Everything was fine. It turned out okay. Thank goodness. But yeah. Uh, it, my mom would always yeah. say better to have it than not need it than to need it and not have it. It's true. It's true. By which you mean it's better to have a condom and not need it than need it and not have it, rather than yeah. it's better to have sex and not need to have had it. Yeah, she used to 
sneak. She used to sneak condoms in my drawers when I was a teen, and I was like, "What are you doing, mom? That's so weird." And that's what she would say. That's... It's better to have it and not need it than to need it and not have it. That's really adorable. I appreciate that relationship you have with your mom. It's very complicated because she's very conservative, and then every now and then she has these moments of understanding and patience and sex positivity, and I'm like, oh, "Mom." It's like she's this really... conservative Christian who didn't, you know, she, she she still understands what it's like, you know, to be young or have lustful thoughts. I don't know. She's, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a, she's a very fascinating woman. That does sound fascinating. So we're getting to closing comments. Is there anything <laughs> else you'd like to add about trying to figure out like any advice for people who are trying to figure out dating during COVID or like they're trying to figure out what their risk profile is, like what's appropriate for them to do and what they want to stay away from and what's appropriate for the people they have regular contact with. Any advice? Well, I feel like discussing just a moment ago, the, you know, being in the situation where you don't have a condom and you're like, eh, oh, we're okay. We'll go without I think that's a pretty good transition into the end message that I would want to send. And that is to not forego your own boundaries. Mm. It's really tempting right now. Please believe me. I'm seriously there right now. This is the longest dry spell I've had in my life. I haven't gone on any date. I haven't had sex in, you know, since the end of February and because, you know, we're trying to all distance due to certain health concerns and I, you know, going online, I have been very tempted and I'm finding people are either like, yeah, I'm looking up all the time or people that are like, no, 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 I'm just, I just want to text. It is tempting because that lack of human contact and that lack of human connection and not just intellectually or physically but just there's so many other senses that come into hand and it's just it is very very tempting to give into those and go eh just this one time it's fine um i would just regardless of how you choose to do things take a moment decide what your boundaries are what your limits are if you need, if you have a, a polycule, a family, talk to them, figure out what your limits need to be, and then stick by them. Whatever those look like, stick by them and try not to be too tempted uh, in the moment and caught up in the moment, because that's how we kind of make bad decisions and they can get the better of us. So that would be my advice. Decide on your boundaries and what works in terms of your risk profile and your polycule and your family, and then stick by it. There's a reason so many educators say don't don't negotiate naked. <laughs> Mid scene, right? Same deal, while, yeah. Yeah, while you're in the bed and naked and grinding is not the best time to make decisions. <laughs> it's a good idea to talk about those beforehand. If you haven't talked about them, you know, skip it. And then you've got a next time. Yeah. And when it comes to COVID, it's the same sort of adapted principle. If you haven't talked about being in close proximity and having sex, maybe give yourself till the next date to think about it and just sort of talk with people and check in with them. And 
Mm-hmm. I mean, it's an option. It's not like that person has any more options than you do, probably. They're probably going to be just as horny and just as into it when you come back to the table with a clear head and you've been able to properly think about your risks. Totally. And this works with kink, I think, as well as other situations. I think it's better to have the opportunity for another time than to have it go wrong and never see them again. Oh, absolutely. And this is just like one of the many ways I feel like kink has prepared me for the COVID pandemic and non-monogamy too, because you learn how to develop a risk profile. You learn how to think about what your risks are and you learn how to think about what you want and how to take your time around what you want, most people, um, (laughs) to sort of figure out like, right, like what, what can I do to minimize the risk even though I acknowledge there's always going to be some risk and still at the end of the day, get the thing I really, really want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Thank good, you for good cl- stimulating my brain and just being you. And Yay. I miss talking and it's great to, I just, you're such a great conversationalist and I appreciate everything that you do. Ah. Thank you. And thank you for that sharing Vic- your dinner experience with me. That was um that was Victor speak for thank you. <laughs> I I figured. It was it was great. It was adorable. I loved it. <laughs> thank you so much, Robin. Mm-hmm. Thank you. So how was it, intimates? Did you love something you heard, or maybe you're upset by something I said? Leave your comments on facebook.com slash intimate interactions, or you can go to patreon.com slash Victor Salmon, where you can find our Discord server. All of these communities are available on intimatepodcast.com, and I genuinely look forward to speaking with you soon. If you liked it, please consider helping us pay for show costs over at Patreon for as little as $1 per month. It's incredibly helpful. It's just a dollar a month. If you can afford it, we would hugely appreciate having your support. And hey, if that doesn't work for you, I completely understand. You can also help out by going to leave a review on iTunes or other favorite social media platform. Social proof like that helps so much with visibility and audience building. It helps other intimacy and relationship nerds find us. And if any of that just sounds like too much work, you can always do something really simple and it still goes a long way. Something like just tapping share and sending an episode that you liked, maybe a favorite, to a friend or partner, or maybe you can send them something you think they might really like. That's probably more considerate. (laughs) Thanks so much for your time and for your help in keeping us making more of Intimate Interactions. Oh yeah, I almost forgot. The intro music was Driving in the Rain by Timecrawler, and this outro music is Acoustic Blues by Jason Shaw.